Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. It's Pensacon week, and today I'll be chatting with a Pensacon guest, Emmy Award-winning voice actor, Mr. Rob Paulson. You may know him as the voice of Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, Yakko from Animaniacs, Raphael from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so many more voices that he's done throughout his career. If you grew up in the 90s or even the early to mid-2000s, you definitely heard his voice at some point during your childhood. He joins the show to talk about growing up in Michigan, his love of talking with fans, what ultimately drove him to become a voice actor, the process of prepping for a role, some of his favorite characters, and the powerful inspiration behind his upcoming book, Voice Lessons. It was great getting to chat with Rob. I grew up watching a lot of the shows that he was on uh, back in the early to mid-90s, so this was really cool, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Rob Paulson. So this week I'm joined along with a very esteemed voice actor. You may know him from Animaniacs, Ninja Turtles, Pinky and the Brain, DuckTales, and so many more cartoons. Mr. Rob Paulson, how are you today, sir? Well, Derek, I'm great. I'm breathing and I'm not in jail, but the day's not over yet. So far, so good. <laughs> the day's still young, right? Yep. As long <laughs> as I don't expire during your show, I think we should be fine. Oh, absolutely. So we, we were just talking uh, before we actually started recording. Uh, you grew up in the Michigan area. Um, what was it like growing up there? Well, it was great. I'm, I'm still to this day, even though I've been in California for 40 years, I I often say that I'm pure Michigan as their uh their um, um, copywritten tagline goes. Um, I uh, was born in Detroit and reared in the around Detroit area. I went to high school just south of Flint, and my uh, still got relatives back there. My folks are both buried there, and um, I uh, I really love Michigan. I, I had a great time there. Um, it's uh, it was a, a marvelous place to grow up, and I I know that now. Having, <clears throat> pardon me, having been out here for a long time, but I, I feel like I was very fortunate to uh, have been raised in a place um, like Michigan, which is uh, offers a lot of really great stuff. Now, mind you, this time of the year is not the best time to be in Michigan. Um, it is uh, pretty damn cold up there at the moment, but uh, <laughs> I had a, I didn't real I was too stupid to realize how cold things were when I was a kid, but uh, it's great. Having said all of that, California is pretty outrageous. It is, uh, um, it's a great place to be as well. You can surf in the morning and ski in the afternoon. That's pretty. That's a pretty neat trick. Yeah, you get all the the weather related activities pretty much in one day. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. I, I was I was actually in Los Angeles uh, about a year ago, and it was actually it was it was pretty chilly. Like it was colder than what I expected. It was I think low fifties. I went in, in March, and I, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, well, it, it's it's not tropical. Uh, you know, you have to go down into Mexico or, or at least southern Arizona. Even then, you know, you can get snow in Tucson. But, um, um, yeah, it, we have cold weather, in, in quotes. Uh, where I live in the Santa Monica Mountains this last week, 
every morning I've had uh, ice on the, the bird bath outside, but it goes away pretty quickly. But we know it gets down into the 30s. We had snow actually in Malibu, I don't know, 15 years ago. Um, we had about three or four inches of snow at top of one of the mountains in Malibu, which was kind of cool for us. But um, cold out here is is relative. It's, uh, you know, it, at sea level, when it gets to be 40 degrees, uh, that's cold because it blows. But then, of course, you go up to the high Sierras and you got 11 feet of snow and it blows like crazy and it's 10 below zero. So it's a it's a pretty remarkable state. You can do pretty much anything or nothing. <laughs> what a lot of folks do out here, too. Now, I've heard that as well. So growing up in Michigan, what was it that kind of inspired you to to get into acting and specifically voice acting? Well, uh, I didn't have any anything in particular that, that um, kind of pushed me in that direction. I think it was kind of innate. Uh, I just learned at a very early age that I could, the truth is, that I could get attention by doing stuff that I loved doing. I, it was really that simple. And I, I enjoyed both ends of, this, of the equation. I would be lying if I said I didn't like the attention, but um, now it's taken on a completely different sort of... Uh, feeling because I, the attention I get now is stuff that really makes my, uh, myself and others very, very happy. And I just love that whole experience. But when I was a kid, I just loved to do it. It was something that uh, literally just made my soul happy. I don't, you know, some people it's coloring, other people it's basketball. I, I, the only other thing I really wanted to do was be a hockey player. And I learned pretty quickly that I was, had neither the talent nor the temperament to make a living uh, doing that. Um, so the only other thing that really got me excited was uh, singing. And then I became an actor and um, moved out to L.A. ostensibly to do live action and then got into the animation stuff kind of in the mid 80s uh, because it was another way to work. And um, uh, so voice acting wasn't part of the equation at the beginning, but it doesn't take very long to realize that you are one of a million average looking kids that come to L.A. to be in the moving picture business. So with a child on the way and um, uh, the opportunity to work steadily. Uh, the fact that I had a face for cartoons was kind of a blessing. <laughs> and luckily, my <laughs> ego could handle the fact that people didn't recognize me. But uh, um, the uh, I'm very, very fortunate that my wife suggested I jump in with both feet. It was a great move. And uh, I I would not change a thing. I'm, I'm able to do things uh, with my voice that I would never, never, never have been considered for on camera. And for a person who's creative, that's a really good thing. And, and nobody still cares what I look like. And I can do this till I die or I don't want to do it anymore. And that's not always the case with an on-camera talent, you know? Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, you could probably still, like, go to the store or really go anywhere. And it's, you know, you can still go and not be bombarded by people. Like, say, if someone like, you know, a Michael Jordan or someone like that. Sure. You know, who could barely go out in public and walk 10 feet. Absolutely. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love it. If It happens more than it used to as a result of nice people like you and social media, YouTube. It happens more than it used to. Probably, I don't know, once or twice a week, I'll be somewhere and somebody will say, are you that guy that does cartoons? And, and all it does, all it does, Derek, is make everybody happy. I start doing a couple of voices. They smile. Sometimes they even cry because it, it's a very uh, often a very special, nostalgic place to people. Um, and, uh, it happens more often than you think with men and women. And, um, so I love it. Now, the other side of the equation, as you say, is getting to the place where it's, it's intrusive. And I never wanted that. I would never want my wife, uh, my son has grown now, but when he was a 
a little boy, I never would have wanted anything that would be dangerous to him or very off-putting to my wife. Um, I don't feel like my family should be subjected to certain things just because of my profession. And right. certainly if you're a, if you have a level of that, uh, that fame that you suggested, that's a totally different life. And I've never had to experience it. Usually in that regard, there's a lot of money that comes along with it. So you can take the necessary precautions, but then it's kind of like, I, I wouldn't want to live like that. I, I have friends who are famous and by and large, their lives are fine, but Every now and then it gets a little weird, you know, and um, and I have that too. But I, the weirdness that I experience is not too invasive, uh, you know. It's not dangerous. Right. So um, I'm. Um, I think you're right. It's a wonderful. It, it's a great um, kind of. Uh, um, it, it's 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 great on both sides of the of the circumstance. I people recognize me like at Pensacon coming up next weekend those folks will be there to see all the folks there. One of whom will be me and my friend Maurice LaMarche, the other half of Pinky and the Brain. And um, that is just a absolutely wonderful experience. Every single time I do one of these things, I come home utterly exhausted from saying thank you for three solid days. And it is a mind-blowingly beautiful experience. <laughs> I Honestly, I, I never get enough of it. I am so grateful to be at this spot in my career where what I've done has uh i'm sorry what i've been a part of make it, it understand i don't draw them i don't write them man i'm just an actor and a singer of which there are a dime a dozen but i've been pretty fortunate and um so <clears throat> working on the things that i've been able to some of which as you mentioned is 30 something years old and i'm you know working when i get back home to la and i'm i'm out of town at the moment and uh, i work pretty much every day so uh i'm still feeding the beast and it's just a utterly happy experience for me and for the, the fan base no and that's that's the dream to to do what you love boy absolutely here, here. so kind of backtracking a little bit when you transitioned into voice acting how is it that you because i know one of your first roles you got was on uh one of the gi joe incarnations um how did yeah. you how did you get the role of that and then how did that blossom into you know, getting more steady animation work. And then that was kind of, you know, you figured out that's, that's what you were going to do. Well, the, um, it's, it's not mystical or strange or anything. It's just, I had an opportunity to audition for animation, which as I said, wasn't my normal, uh, wasn't my, uh, uh, necessarily the reason I came out to LA, but I came out to LA to work and to be as creative as I could be and ultimately try to make living at it but what drove me out here was not the money i i wanted to to be creative and with people who are of a like mind and and try to make my way like millions of others um so that was another opportunity to make a living and um within the first hour uh, working with people like frank welker and peter cullen and chris lotta and uh, all these michael bell jack angel uh, wonderful actors uh i thought man this is great these are those people, many of whom I've seen on television and ep episodic shows growing up in the 70s. And they're out here doing cartoons, Jonathan Winters and Bob Ridgely and uh, um, Marsha Wallace, people I've all saw on TV all the time. And I thought, this is great, man. I, I don't have to, the, everything I go to read for on camera, uh, there's a physical aspect of the casting issue, which is, of course, makes total sense. We're looking for a guy 
uh, 28 years old, and 25 to 35, 5'10", blah, blah, blah. Here are the lines of next-door neighbor. But none of that mattered in this circumstance. I could be a big, badass um, soldier or some kooky thing called a transformer, which nobody had ever heard of in those days, or I could be uh, Haji on Johnny Quest, or I could be a talking avocado. I mean, it didn't really matter. And uh, for an actor and a singer, the, the opportunity to be completely and utterly self-conscious is uh, kind of what I love. I don't like being limited by being an average-looking Caucasian guy. <laughs> what fun is that? And I know it's, you know, I mean, it, uh, I've had a wonderful life, but in terms of being creative, there ain't nothing creative about that. So uh, uh, one thing led to another, and um, I was able to, you know, you get a couple of gigs, and word gets around, and hey, this guy Rob is he's pretty good, and you should bring him in to read for this thing. And then I'd audition for a bunch of them and not get them. Then I'd get one and that would lead to another. So it's a very normal progression. Um, and, uh, and as I said, when my son was coming along, my wife said, wow, you know, you probably should take the bird in the hand because we need the money and you're really enjoying this. And, um, she was correct. It was a great move. Um, uh, and, and truly there is no downside now, uh, having had, the great good fortune to work on a lot of well-known and arguably iconic characters, again, that I'm only a part of creating. But it's really paid dividends later on in my career um, because people like you are nice enough to want to speak to me about these things. And they've ha had an impact on uh, arguably a hundred and hundreds of millions of people around the world. You no know, turtles and Pinky in the Brain and Animaniacs and Jimmy Neutron and Fairly Odd Parents and The Tick, The Mask. Biker Mice from Mars, Mighty Max, you name it. And um, uh, these people come up to visit me at every convention I go to or every live appearance I make. And I'm always surprised at which part of my career it is that happened to be the, the shiny object for them. And and often they're, they're children, which is crazy to know that there are you know two, two generations who get a kick out of this stuff. It's <laughs> mind-blowing. Well, that's the cool thing about the just the wide variety of stuff that you've worked on because you know those names you mentioned like Animaniacs, Ninja Turtles, Pinky and the Brain. That's those are all things that you know people my age grew up watching, and then you have the younger generation. So you you've you're like you said you're reaching different generations of people. So that that's that's just fantastic. It is. It's and it never is. It's it's never not fantastic. Um, it's the most wonderful way in the world to make a living. And it's always a gas, uh, particularly meeting the fans. Absolutely. So when you, when you get a role, like what's the process of preparing? Cause I, I've, I've always been intrigued by voice acting and how voice actors prepare for a role. So like, how, how do you, how do you create the voice of these characters? Well, it's again. I, I wish I could tell you something was this really deeply mystical thing, but it's not. It's um, it, for me. <clears throat> it's been kind of a an organic um, process, and by that I mean um, it. Uh, it's just how I am. I I have a pretty crazy imagination. I have no problem behaving like a complete idiot. Um, <laughs> in the confines of the studio. Don't get me wrong. I don't walk down the street, you know, on my hands, but, uh, I, uh, I, I'm not, I've never been one to be limited by something that the average person would say, well, that's kind of odd behavior for an adult. And it is, but that's my job. 
I um, I, I I don't fly airplanes. I would love to, but I don't have the time. But I so my my gig has been a pretty um, natural profession. I'm one of those very lucky people who essentially gets paid to do it. Used to get me in trouble in high school. Um, I found a way to do to get paid to do something that is a a deep passion of mine. And um, but I but it's not uh, um, you know again it's not a mystical. Uh, here's how you create um, long-lasting, iconic characters. I, I don't have a, a special um, you know, process for that. But the, the, in terms of how it actually really happens, um, the producers and the writers will sit down with the actors. Once we get booked on a show, we audition and come up with what somebody likes. And uh, so in that case, it's a lot of improv on the spur of the moment to get the job. Once we get it, um, there are a lot of folks who help help us flesh these characters out, and um, so that's what that's what happens. You know, we get in there and bang around inside the studio and uh, have a blast and say a little bit of this, a little bit less of that, a little bit more of this, and the way the characters interact with everybody else. And it's just basically not too dissimilar to the way live action is done. Um, casting is done, and you uh, see the the bits and pieces of a, of a character that work in the context of the show and off you go. And then, and also down, down the road, things do uh, morph a little bit. Often you'll hear a character that sounds completely different um, a few years down the road than it did when, um, when we were, you know, when the show was created. I mean, if you listen to Bugs Bunny um, from the seventies, Bugs Bunny sounds a bit different than he did in the fifties. When, and part of that is due to, Mr. Blank's age, and part of it is due to just the character morphing, you know? So uh, all of that comes into play, and that only happens, of course, if you're lucky enough to have a show that's a hit and lasts a while. Do you have a favorite role that you've done? Because, you I mean, you've done so many, but has there been one that has stood out to you more than the others? I would say the next one, because it means I'm working. Um, <laughs> that's a great way to and, look at it. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's interesting. People, people say... What do you, you know, you've done this and that, but the truth is, man, I, I still audition and I'm still, you know, I'm still trying to get out there and, and keep, um, keep happening. So, uh, it's difficult to, uh, pick one particular, uh, special one. I, I, it's, it's pretty tough to not want to do pinky for the rest of my life. Cause I love working more with Maurice. Um, Yakko, I just love to sing. So that would always be right up there. But the truth is I'm, I just love to work, and I am um, always looking for the next gig. So that's that really is the truth. If I'm wor- if I'm the next one that comes up, I'm working. That's what's important. No, that's that's a fantastic way to look at it. Uh, and I'm better now than I was when I was a kid. I'm, I'm learning. I'm always getting better, which I want to do. I like to be. I like competition, and um, it makes me get better. And I always I've always enjoyed that. Well, and that's the key to success in really any line of work is you should always want to keep learning because if you don't learn anymore, then why keep doing it? Here, here. Well said, buddy. I totally agree. Um, I did want to backtrack on, on one uh, one of your voice roles that was actually one of my favorites from one of my uh, favorite shows as a kid. Um, you were the voice of Antoine in the Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> cartoon. How was your time working on that show? Because you had um, Jim Cummings and you know other notable voice actors on that show, uh, which I think is yeah. extremely underrated. Uh, what was it like working on that show? 
Thank you. It, um, funny you say that. I was just working yesterday with Roger Craig Smith, who is now Sonic on whatever Sonic thing there is out there. He's been Sonic for a while. Um, oh, it was great. And it was Nancy. No, no. See, it was uh, Cat C.C., Jim Cummings, uh, Jaleel White, I mm-hmm. think was Sonic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was wonderful. Um, I had a black. But, you know, it sounds silly, but they're all like that. They're, I don't. I would have to think really hard, Derek, to think of a session or a show in which I worked that was a miserable experience. As people were making cartoons for a living, we we do silly voices with other grown-ups, quote unquote, and we get paid really well, and we get free food, and we just laugh. And then we read these funny scripts, and we don't have to dress up, we don't have to go on location, we don't have to memorize the scripts. It's probably the best job in the world. Um, and I have to tell you that every one of us, to a man and woman, knows how lucky we are to do what we do. You will not find a group of actors more utterly devoid of pretense than voice talent, because it's not about how big your boobs are or how big your muscles are, or whether you're six foot eight or, or eight foot six or two foot four or white hair, green hair, no hair, gay, straight. It doesn't matter. It's about pure creativity. And, um, and so we go in there with that mindset and just play. Uh, so Sonic was great. I'm, I'm again, I'm always amazed at how many people love Sonic, you know, because you don't walk out of the studio and go to a restaurant and say, hey, there's the guy who's Antoine. So you, you, we, I never knew this stuff. And then 25 years later, people say, oh, my God, if I had a nickel for every time I watched Sonic the Hedgehog and you have no <laughs> idea what this kid. It's fantastic. Um, and it is a wonderful thing to be able to look back and uh, and and say, wow, there was a lot more to these things that we worked on than than just my paycheck. It, it turns out that these shows have brought immeasurable joy to lots and lots and lots of people. And that is not a small thing. When you start talking about a couple hundred million folks that know these characters, it's a big deal. Well, I think the thing about that show is that, you know, in addition to the good acting, the storytelling was really, really good on that show, especially towards the end. And, you know, unfortunately, it got canceled and was left on a cliffhanger. But from for the duration of the show, it was it was great from top to bottom. The animation looked good. The acting was great. The Thank story you. was solid. You know, the, yeah. the thing that always stood to me, because I also read the the comics as well. The cool thing mm-hmm. or the funny thing about Antoine was just that he would act like this, you know, big macho tough guy and then when the situation would get rough he would just turn into this blubbering coward and it was always really Uh, funny typecasting exactly like me (laughs) kidding but yeah no i get it that's fun yeah no it was it was great so uh, in addition to all the voice acting you've done uh, you've also got uh, a book coming out uh fairly soon called voice lessons uh what was the what was the inspiration behind uh, wanting to write a book well, um, actually, just a, a, a health thing that I went through shined a whole different perspective on my career. I, I had no real interest in writing a book because, frankly, the last thing the world needs is another Hollywood memoir, and I'm not even a celebrity. And I, and I don't mean that. It's not false modesty. I'm good at my job, but uh, the characters are famous, and I'm just a part of it. Um so I thought, well, nobody is going to buy the book, and what's the point? Um, but a few years ago, actually three years ago this month, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, stage three throat cancer. And for what I do for a living, um, that was, as you can imagine, kind of a 
kind of a surprise. And um, th- that experience left me uh, with things that I'm uh, that I, I think I have a much more interesting story to tell. The things I learned, uh, not only going through the treatment, which was pretty pretty brutal. Um, and I'm fine now, uh, but along the way, I had had these great opportunities to spend time both on the phone and in person with a number of children who were in horrible circumstances and many of whom didn't make it. And their parents would keep in touch with me and still do after their kids were gone. Uh, And I never realized the extent to which those experiences would help me deal with my own um, time in the cage, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, It really gave me a, 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 it it helped me, uh, you know, my sense of humor, my natural sense of humor buoyed me, but those examples of, of courage that I could never, ever comprehend um, with the parents and the children uh, who went through much tougher things than I did. Those experiences really helped me a lot. So I think I have a much better story to tell now. And it's not so much about my struggle, because my struggle is in quotes. My struggle was for a couple of months, and my family's was for a couple of months. It wasn't for my life. I've had a wonderful life. Um, but uh, the way that uh, I was able to get through it with the help of all these examples I've had throughout my life. I think that's an interesting story. And now I'm in a position uh, to perhaps be helpful or inspirational to someone else. And uh, that really is what it's all about. It really is all about paying it forward. These kids and their parents did things for me that they never would have known. Clearly they didn't because a lot of them are dead. Um, but it, it, to me, it's about uh, helping the next person who's going to struggle with your own example and um, we, we really, really, really are all in this together. So this is not about money or not about ratings or anything. Um, it's, um, it's a great opportunity for me to help. And it's also something I really enjoy. I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to talk about the book and uh, do public speaking and all of that. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. Well, I think when you go through something like that and, you know, you see other people go through it, you know, it really kind of puts things in a new perspective. So I, I think that's, it's good that you're taking that and using it as a way to pass things on to others. I think that's great. Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate that. I, um, as I say, I, I, I'm not at all a hero. Um, these, uh, uh, you know, people every day, and I'm sure you've talked to them, Cops, firefighters, first responders, teachers, you name it. People are heroes and do things every single day that don't have one lick of publicity drawn to them. And what they do is utterly, unabashedly heroic. Uh, in my case, I had great doctors and a great family who helped me get through it. But the, 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 the important uh, part of my book to me is to be able to find inspiration and heroism kind of when you least expect it inspiration like love in my opinion comes from the most unexpected places and um i uh i i just love being able to share those experiences about kids who seem to be the least of us um in hospital beds tubes coming out of them parents are a mess for obvious reasons but it turns out that those kids are, are utterly heroic just by living their lives, whatever they are. And I had an incredible uh, opportunity to see that, not only firsthand, but keep in touch and, and, and get to know these families. And um, boy, did that ever 
contextualize my experience. Um, and it can for anybody. It's not about because I'm an actor or a voice actor or whatever. It's, um, it's just an opportunity. And, and to the extent that I've gained any notoriety as a result of this work, then I want to, I want to help. And I sure as hell, I'm, you know, I'm not the guy who's going to be the Nobel peace prize winner, but we're, like I said, I really feel like we're all in this together. And you, when you have an opportunity to help, you can't not do it. Um, it's just sort of the human thing to do. And um, so I'm, you know, bring it. I don't think I could have said it any better. Thank you. Uh, but you mentioned this earlier. Um, you've mentioned, you know, going to conventions and talking with fans and whatnot. You're actually going to be in my neck of the woods at Pensacon, uh, which is February 22nd through the 24th at the Pensacola Bay Center. Everyone should go get tickets now. Uh, have you ever been to Pensacola before? I have not. I've been to Florida a number of times, but never up north there and uh, on the Gulf Coast. And I'm really looking forward to it. I've never been in my my pal Maurice Lamarche, the other half of Pink in the Brain, is going to be there with us. And uh, man, we're going to have a ball. I think that's next weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's uh, yeah. It's uh, a Friday through Sunday, so it's a, a three day convention. So you've got plenty of time to, you know, meet Rob and all the other great guests that are lined up. It's it's a really fun and I think a unique convention because I, I don't know if you know this about Pensacon, but almost the whole town kind of rebrands itself. Like when you get to the airport, um, it's, it's originally called the Pensacola International Airport. Well, they call it the Intergalactic Airport. So it's sci-fi themed. You have like Star Wars and Star Trek uh, type theme stuff all around the airport and other restaurants will um, do themed oh, parties. Man. Like one of the breweries is doing a Lord of the Rings party. So they'll deck everything out like Middle Earth. It'll it'll be fun. I think you'll have a lot of fun. That's here. great. I'm so looking forward to it, man. Honestly, I'm I'm really am. I, and Maurice is too. I was just with him last weekend, and we're very excited. Last question: Do you have any social media or website you'd like to plug so the listeners can follow you? Yes, please. Uh, my Twitter feed is at Yakko Pinky Y A K K O P I N K Y, all lowercase, one word. Um, Instagram is Rob underscore Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N. And uh, on Facebook, it's Rob Paulson voice actor. That's pretty easy. Um, so uh, please follow along. And I try to post interesting stuff and things that aren't too uh, self-aggrandizing. I don't ask for prayers for my cat kitty going in to have their you know claws taken out or anything like that. I, um, I just... Uh, post stuff that's fun and germane to my work and um and we'll have a ball not and by the way disclosure not that it's a bad thing to ask for prayers for your kitty who's getting declawed <laughs> I, I just i just have a little more fun than that thank you no i i got you well rob thank you so much for joining the show it was great and i can't wait to meet you at pensacon thank you buddy it's my pleasure derek and and have a great weekend and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me Thanks again to Rob Paulson. Can't wait to meet him at Pensacon this weekend. You can follow him on Twitter at Yakko Pinky, on Instagram at Rob underscore Paulson, and on Facebook at Rob Paulson Voice Actor. And speaking of Pensacon, I'm going to be moderating several panels throughout this weekend, but the one that I really hope you guys can make it out to is the Defending Bad Movies panel with my Nerd Cave Retro co-host Jason Robbins, the official fact checker, of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Wally Phelps and Mr. Julio Diaz will be uh, talking about bad movies and their good qualities. So basically how this is going to work 
is that I have a list of movies that I'm going to choose from at random, and whatever movie I choose, they have to say nothing but good things about. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be Sunday, February 24th at 1.30 p.m. in room B of the Pensacola Grand Hotel, which is right next to the Bay Center. But if you can't make it or you don't live in the area, I will be recording the audio, and that will air as next week's episode of this podcast. But if you can't wait until then to get your fix of the show, you can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. And of course, thanks again as always to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. Their songs Late Night drive Through" and Light and Jazzy can be found on their latest album, Greetings from the Space Van, which is available on Apple Music, Spotify, and Google Play. And I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again to Rob Paulson. Hope you guys can make it out to Pensacon to all the panels, uh, meet all the guests, do all the fun things. Pensacon's always a great time. And we'll see you guys back next week with the Defending Bad Movies panel. (laughs) 